Scripture reading for today is Psalms 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Peter God, please be seated. For those of you who are joining online, welcome again to our Sunday corporate worship. This psalm is very short, but very impactful, very significant, I think, especially in this season of isolation that we've been experiencing over many months. Though things are opening up, a lot of us still feel uneasy about being together. The mask is norm. Physical distancing is a norm. Things are different. This passage highlights the beauty of unity. Behold how good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. For there, where there is unity, the Lord has commended, ordained the blessing, the kind of blessing that is life, Life in its fullness, life in its eternity, life forevermore. How wonderful, how good, how pleasant it is when a husband and a wife dwell together in unity, forgiving one another, holding hands together in prayer, attending church service, holding hands together, serving one another sacrificially. How wonderful, how beautiful, how good it is when siblings play together and care for one another in unity. That's where God commands blessing. How wonderful, how beautiful, how delightful when members of God's church genuinely care for one another praying for one another, serving one another, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep, carrying each other's burdens. Yes, that's where God commends his blessing. That's where we experience life of Christ together that will continue on into eternity. Behold how bad and unpleasant it is when brothers dwell in disunity for there the Lord does not and cannot command his blessing. You're living but you're not really living. There's no life really. Nothing to look forward to. It's dreadful. How bad, how ugly, how unpleasant it is when husband and wife They do live together, but they fight all the time. Yes, as Proverbs says, it's better to live on a corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome spouse. How bad, how ugly, how unpleasant it is when siblings fight over toys and little petty things. For you want to get out of your house. How bad, how ugly, how unpleasant it is 
when members of the church don't care about each other. They don't even know each other's name. They only complain. They never pray for one another. For God cannot bless that kind of a church community. Unity is beautiful. Disunity is ugly. That's your experience. That's my experience. Unity is pleasant. Disunity is unpleasant. It is one thing to get married and have a family and to live together and even have children. It's another to live in harmony, live in unity. One news article talks about how COVID-19 has been testing relationships, especially relationships in the families. COVID-19 has led to baby booms and divorces. For some of us, this season has been such a blessing for your family. You've never had this kind of an intimacy with your spouse, with your siblings, with your children, with your extended families. There has been a lot of restoration, a lot of joy, restoration of laughter, playing together, cooking together, eating together, worshiping God together. For others of us, this has been very difficult and challenging for your family. You've never had this kind of an extended time together. And there has been a lot of frustrations, a lot of breakdowns. It is one thing to be a church and a church family. It's another to be a church in unity. COVID has led to a greater appreciation for spiritual family, church family for a lot of us. It has brought us together in our hearts, in our longing for one another. Though we're not able to meet together physically, uh, we feel even more connected for some of you. For others of you, you feel very disconnected. You have been. Especially maybe those of you who are watching online, um, haven't seen each other for a long time, you may feel very disconnected. Barna Research, Barna is a research group in the US and they've done some um, research on church attendance during COVID season for the past five plus months. And it's in the US, but I think it's relevant for the church in Canada overall. uh, They find uh, the church attendance in the US has dropped 30% during this season and over 50% for the millennials. That means um, those of us who are a member of a church, uh, we not only stopped um, attending service because we weren't able to, we just quit church. We stopped even watching the service, uh, not being part of a small group, not being part of any ministry, uh, very disconnected. That's a large number of people. God's intent from the very beginning when he created men 
was to have us live in unity. Union with God, union with one another. That's God's design. God is three in one. Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in perfect unity of one. And we as image bearers are to enter into that perfect union and have relationship with him and in him with one another. But what happened was because of our disobedience, disobedience to God's word, the sin entered into human heart, human relationship, broke the relationship with God. So there's disunity between man and God, disunity between husband and wife. And we see the first death in the Bible by a brother killing his sibling. God desires unity, and unity is where we experience God's blessing. It's beautiful, it's pleasant, and it's powerful. It is worthy of our pursuit. So the question is, how do we pursue and experience unity? The beautiful unity that this psalm sings about. This psalm illustrates or has two illustrations to depict beauty of unity and also the kind of mindset and posture, the attitude that we should have as followers of Jesus, as people of God, so that we can experience the blessing of unity. The first image is anointing oil. The second image is mountain dew. The first image has to do with dedication to God for others, for anointing oil was used to be consecrated. So the word consecration has the meaning of dedicating oneself to God to serve others. So for us to experience the blessing of unity, God has designed us so that each of us are dedicated to God to serve others, for others. There's a sacrificial commitment in beautiful unity. One of the most beautiful pictures of unity is when a man commits to sacrificially love his bride. And when the woman does the same, when they make the covenant commitment before God, before people, to serve one another. It says in verse 2, it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, the, on the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the first high priest running down on the color of his robes, a special robe. If you read Exodus 28 to 30, we see the picture of this anointing process, and it's beautiful. Before the oil is poured upon the head of Aaron, the priest, the first thing he has to do is to wear a special robe designed specifically and specially for 
the high priest. Think of the most beautiful wardrobe or clothes that you can imagine. There's nothing like it in this world kind of dress. God himself designed it. One of the prominent and unique features of that dress is that on the shoulders are engravings of a precious stone, and in the stone are the names of 12 tribes. The people of God's name is engraved in those stones, and it's on the two shoulders. And then, on the chest, breastplate, there are, again, names of the 12 tribes engraved on precious stones like Sapphire, emerald, and even diamonds. It's sparkling with beauty. And the priest is to bear the people on his shoulder, on his heart, before the Lord as he is being dedicated to God on behalf of God's people. You can imagine when the priest shows up with that rope. And it's the rope, Exodus 28 talks about how describes it as it's a robe of glory and beauty. People's response would be, wow, that's beautiful. They would, they would be standing in awe of that priest and his robe and whisper to each other, do you see that? That's amazing. That's so beautiful. Everyone's taking out their phone and taking pictures. That's the kind of beauty that the robe had. And after that, anointing oil is poured upon Aaron's head. And anointing oil itself is very, very special. It's not used uh, in other things other than to anoint instruments that are used in the temple, in the tabernacle. And the only person that receives the anointing is the priest. The oil is used to dedicate the temple and the priest to God on behalf of God's people. And it had a very special aroma. You, can, you will smell it, and the smell is so beautiful and pleasant. And you can, you can imagine the, the people who are watching the scene of anointing tearing up. Because what they're witnessing is God's provision of a dedicated man who will serve God, connect them to God, intercede on behalf of them sacrificially, fully dedicated. He's a person who is sacrificially committed and dedicated to serve God the people, you. And they are tearing up out of gratitude to God and gratitude to this priest who's giving up, who's surrendering his life. Like baptism, um, two, two of my favorite worship services is baptism and marriage. Uh, 
Those are the two services I believe that really captures this beauty of unity. Baptism, you are dedicating yourself to God to be fully united with Jesus Christ. You die with Jesus, you rise with Jesus, and you commit to live for Jesus. And of course, again, wedding, committing yourself, giving up your rights to sacrificially serve your future bride and groom. When it comes to oil, oil, for us, we know, it represents Holy Spirit. And so, whereas we had Aaron the priest in the Old Testament who was uniquely called to receive the anointing and none other than himself and his children, Christians are all anointed with the oil, the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, you, are, you have the identity of a priest like Aaron. You are dedicated to God for others. That's the definition of being a Christian. You are defined with Christ and you are dedicated to Christ and to serve him. And serving him means serving his people and his purpose. That's what it means. So all of us, if you are a Christian, you are anointed. And church is a people who are anointed by this oil, the Holy Spirit. Uh, This reality has a huge implication for experiencing the blessing of unity in our family, especially in our church family. I see three, at least three different aspects, personal, interpersonal, and missional. Personally, if you are a royal priest, as 1 Peter calls us, Exodus 19 calls God's people royal priests, we are dedicated again to God and you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have Holy Spirit, when you sin, you will be disturbed. You'll be afflicted. You will be quick to repent. You will keep your life holy. You will pursue holiness. You are set apart for God, for his work, and for his glory. Any unity that we are called to experience and God wants to bless us to experience begins there. Your personal dedication to Christ. Again, that's our foundational identity. It's unity in Christ for God's glory through the Spirit. And then there's this interpersonal because you're not anointed alone. Pastors and elders and ordained deacons are not the only ones who are ordained or anointed with the Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit is in you. Holy Spirit is in us. We are called the temple of God, the dwelling place of Holy Spirit. We have put on Christ. We have put on the beautiful robe of Jesus Christ. That's who we are, all of us. And to Apply Aaron's robe. When we become a Christian, we put on the robe of Christ. 
God gives us the heart of Christ, whose heart goes after his people. You see, Aaron had the, the breastplate that had the name of people. When we, jo- when we join Christ to be a Christian, we join a church. When we join church, we call it a covenant relationship or becoming a covenant member, you are, in one sense, marrying a church, marrying into this relationship. You're committing yourself to a special, unique, committed relationship in Christ, sealed by his blood, committed to have other members in your heart to pray for them, to pray for one another. And we see each other as ones who are anointed. It's not, I come to realize, even as I'm preaching about this, it's not really natural to look at John or look at Andy and think he's an anointed one. He has Holy Spirit. I just see John as, oh, he's good in piano. Or Andy, thank you for your prayer. Thank you for leading something or doing something. You should be looking at each other if you're at home looking at your spouse or your family member and if you really have the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit is no one other than God himself. Let that sink. The person next to you here and elsewhere, if you're worshiping and listening to the sermon together with a fellow brother or sister or family member, you are not only just living with a person, but a person with the Spirit. And that, that changes the attitude. And that changed attitude will usher into a kind of relationship that will promote unity. For those of you who've never committed to a church, though you say you're committed to Jesus, um, let me say this, or it's not me. The church father said this, one of the church fathers, and I talk about it in my membership class. You cannot have God as your father unless you have church as your mother. You cannot say you love Jesus and you don't like Jesus' bride. Jesus won't be happy about you. You must be committed to do life and ministry with fellow brothers and sisters who are as anointed as you are, as called as you are. It's interesting how um, the attendance dropped almost 30 to 50%. A lot of floaters in this season checking out different churches. There could be a season when you check out different churches. Not to just, you know, see, oh, okay, this guy is good or this church meets my own needs. Really discerning is God calling me to commit to this church. And once you find it, you commit. And once you commit, you commit. You commit to dedicate yourself to Christ to serve other people. That's the only way you will experience the beauty of unity, the delight of unity with the body of Christ. So for those of you who are a covenant member 
And as Andy prayed on our behalf, a lot of us may need to repent of our spiritual laziness, laxity, not really keeping our commitment to Christ or to Christ's body. I encourage you today, I plead with you today, for the sake of your own spiritual health and for the health of others, you need to recommit your life to Christ and to the body of Christ with intentionality to serve Him and serve God's people. And for those of you who are committed and have been faithfully serving as members and leaders in this unique season, praise God for you, thank God for you. May the Lord continue to strengthen you, encourage you, and fill you with this spirit. I find this dedication to God for others that promotes unity is heightened, intensified, and really experienced most beautifully when we enter into each other's suffering, when we carry each other's burden. I mean, even, even in uh, dramas and movies, when you, when you hear about or see the story of a man willing to give up his status, his position, his life, fully dedicated to serve this woman of his life. There's something in human soul that just we're just, we're just moved. When you see Lord of the Rings and Frodo is carrying that burden to get rid of that powerful ring and Sam, his friend, carries that burden with him so faithfully. Your heart is moved. The, the beauty of unity in friendship. And that's God's design for families and church families where we, especially in hard situations and challenging seasons, we commit to carry each other's burden. Yesterday we had a leadership prayer retreat and we got to pray for the church in preparation for the upcoming season, but also to pray for one another. And there was a moment during our prayer time when we were praying for a specific deacon friend of us. He shared his prayer request. He's been going through so much um, in, in this challenging season in his life. And he ended up breaking down and, and we, we, we uh, breaking down in tears and just out of this heaviness in his heart. And we, we just surrounded him in, in our prayers. Of course, you know, physical distance, we couldn't lay hands on him, but we're praying for him. And for me to hear a fellow deacon just weeping over him and his family, a fellow brother who's just crying on behalf of this brother who's going through so much, it's beautiful. I mean, that made my day. For me, that was, that was good enough for the prayer retreat. And some of you have experienced that. And I pray that we as a church family will experience that. And when we, when we think about life groups, and I've been talking with many of you, many of the leaders, 
One thing that we envision is that when you join our church, when you join our small group, yes, we need to learn the Bible and be knowledgeable about the knowledge of the scripture, but what we envision is that you experience the beauty of unity by deeply connecting with one another, deeply caring for one another. You're known by them and loved by them. You're carrying each other's burdens. You're loving one another. When you join a college group, you're not doing your life alone, but you are under a good shepherd with fellow brothers and sisters walking this challenging season together where we can be easily go astray when you walk along with other brothers and sisters. Not only Christ guides you, but there will be brothers and sisters in Christ's name who will help you, encourage you, pray for you. And if not just leaders, but if all of you who are anointed by the Spirit live out that call to be dedicated to one another, to God, for one another, we're going to experience a beautiful church community in unity. And missions foundationally flows out of that unity. That's why when Jesus prays for more people to come to know him, he commands and prays for church to be united and to love one another. For by loving one another like Christ has loved us sacrificially, people will know that you are my disciples. So, the first, the anointing, the oil, has to do with consecrating ourselves to God for others. And that's how we experience the beauty of unity. The second the image is due of Hermon, the, the highest snow-capped mountain in the north. And that has, the dew has to do with being expectant of God's work in others. You see, um, Mount Hermon was um, the highest mountain, and even in dry seasons, the dew was so rich and so plentiful that in the morning, everything's wet, even in dry seasons. And that richness of the dew kept everything so fertile and fruitful, and things were growing, and plants and trees are bearing fruit. Dew is refreshing and life-giving. In a community that experiences blessing of unity, expects God's fresh work in you, in me, in us, daily, seasonally, whether we have COVID or not, whether we are able to gather physically or not, we anticipate the new work that God is doing. The one who began a good work in you will never be done until he's done. And we have that expectancy, that anticipation of God's work. Dew is miraculous. I mean, even more so. The dew of Hermon running down or flowing down to the Mount of Zion, which is in the south. Physical distance-wise, it's not six meters. It's like 600 kilometers. But how could a, a dew in Her Mount Hermon flow into or touch Mount Zion, it's a miracle. 
It's a miracle. God's doing it. And you expect that kind of a miracle in one another's lives. You know, sometimes we, 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 uh, those of us who are churched, we, we lack anticipation. There is a sin of familiarity. Everything's so familiar. Oh, I know you. I know. Yeah, life goes and we'll kick off and we're going to do the covenant signing and whatever. No, stop that. Let's stop that. Today, when God gives us mercy, Lamentation says, His mercies are new every morning. God doesn't give us the old grace today. God gives us fresh, new grace and mercy every day. And the question is, do you have that expectancy for your own life, for your spouse, for your children, for this church, for the members of your small group, for your ministry, for your life? So when we gather, regather in a limited way. Hebrews 10 says this, let us consider how to stir up one another. How to stir up one another? Let's think about it. Let's be creative about it. How do we stir up one another towards love and good deeds? It's not just pastor's job. I mean, I will do it and I do it and the team does it, the leadership does it. But you, if you're a member of God's church, and even children, don't just expect your parents to do everything. We are to consider together how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some. I mean, it's totally legitimate if you live with someone who's elderly and immune compromised and you're being very careful to be in any public place at all. But if the reason is because of your laziness or complacency and convenience, it's no good. We are to encourage one another all the more as you see the day coming. Have you been feeling dry in this season? Dryness and barrenness in the church, in Christian life, a lot of times, is a result of lack of unity. It's one thing to do have my own personal, good, devotional life during my quiet time. It's another to meet, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to praise God together, to bear each other's burden and even dryness together. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were not just doing their personal devo and the Holy Spirit fell upon each of them wherever they were. No, they were together physically, not only physically, but in one accord, with one heart, in unity. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and ushered a, a fresh new season of life of a church that was given birth by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So if you are dry, most likely you have been disconnected not only to Jesus, but people of Jesus, the body of Christ, 
you need to be reconnected. And we as a church, if we want to be missional, we can't just be missional doing our own things, in our own ways, in the way we want to do. We, even if you do that, and we are to scatter to be a blessing and salt and light in the city, but we have to have this movement within us together to be empowered by the Spirit together and be sent out. 2 John 12 says this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink or video. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Well, I thought we have joy in Jesus. Yes, that's true. But joy in Jesus is joy in the body of Jesus together. It multiplies. And we, we all know that. I mean, even... Uh, People watch Netflix together. What do you call it? Party watching or something, right? Something about doing it together, even virtually. How much more so as a church family? So again, in this season of extended isolation, we will need to do everything possible we can with all the safety measures, gather together, encourage one another, and anticipate and expect what God will do in and through us. Personally, too, if I'm in isolation for a prolonged season or period, it's no good. It's no good. I need my staff, my brothers, my sisters, fellow shepherds, fellow brothers like you, fellow sisters like you. And in our fellowship, a genuine fellowship is something that is life-giving and the spirit of God moves it's for you it's for me it's for us it's for God's glory and all the more because the large group gathering is difficult we will need to be creative and be committed to meet in small groups smaller groups in the season for the next I'm anticipating at least six months to a year and if God calls you to serve in any servant role to facilitate small groups mentoring one another, encouraging one another, anticipating what God will do in and through us, you should, you should commit. You should do it. Let me land. So uh, the blessing of unity experience as we are dedicated to God for others and also as we anticipate, live with an attitude of expectancy of God's work in others. As I shared, it, it's something that runs down. The blessing of unity flows from God through Christ. It's like a precious oil on the head running down on the beard, running down on the collar of the ropes. It's, it's the dew of Hermon which runs down, same Hebrew word, falls or runs down to the Mount of Zion. And there the Lord has commended the blessing forevermore. Many of us, including myself, I confess, fail to live fully dedicated to God for others, fully anticipating of God's work in others, sometimes like, ah, oh, you know, he, he will never change. But you know what? The good news is we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is so fully dedicated to the Father on our behalf, he went to the cross. He died for us to the Father's glory. 
And when Jesus saw Peter, who was quite passionate but flippant, unstable, he called him, you're rocky. I'll call you rock. You're going to be the foundation of the church. He anticipated, he expected the work of God in Peter. And when Jesus sees you, you may feel like, oh, I'm so unstable. I cannot do this. No. Christ says, no. I put my spirit in you. I'm going to work in you. I'm going to work in your family. I'm going to work in my church, my church, Jesus' church. And I'm going to do something so amazing that you will look back to 2020 and say, oh my goodness, God did a new thing. Anticipate God's work through Christ. Because he who began, began a good work in us, in you, in me, in us, in our church community, he will complete. And church in unity, we fix our eyes on Christ, the perfecter of our faith, through whom the blessing of unity flows down from heaven to us and through us to the nations. Let's pray. So, Father, we, we praise you and thank you for ultimately the blessing of unity that you commend flows from you through Christ by the power of the Spirit to your broken people who come to you with this desire to experience unity in our relationships, which is sometimes not just so hard, but seemingly impossible. That's why we remember Jesus. You prayed for your disciples. And when you prayed in John 17, you pray that as Father and I am one, may you, may they, may the disciples, may the church, may new hope, be one in Christ. So we pray for that unity in our marriages, in our families, and particularly in this church, in the season of feeling so scattered. And yet we pray for your blessing that our hearts will be knit together in perfect union with you in Christ in union and communion with one another that we will be refreshed as we meet together whenever we are able to. We anticipate your work of grace afresh in each other. And just as Christ has given your life for us, we too give our life to Christ for others. So will you continue to beautify your church and cause our church to come together in unity? Bless us, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.